is the place with the helpful hardware, folks. It's Ace's biggest LED light bulb sale of the year. Right now, buy one, get one free on our best-selling LED light bulbs. Our four-pack of LED bulbs is $9.99, and our two-pack of LED floodlights is only $12.99. Buy one, get one free. There's no limit on how much you can save, so stock up now. Hurry in. Buy one, get one free on long-lasting 10-year LED bulbs, now through Monday, only at your neighborhood Ace. See participating stores for details. You are Locked On Cavaliers, your daily podcast on the Cleveland Cavaliers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And we're back with another episode of the Locked on Cavs podcast. As always, I'm Chris Manning, your host from FearTheSword.com. If you are just hearing now, Kyrie Irving is now a member of the Boston Celtics. He has been traded for Isaiah Thomas, Jay Crowder, a first-round pick, and Ante Zizic, a Croatian 20-year-old who will be a rookie this season. Um, We already have another pot up with Chris Barnwell from CBS talking about the deal um, but joining me now to talk about it from another angle is Kevin Stankowitz. He's the editor-in-chief now because he's getting old in college of The Lantern at Ohio State. Kevin, what's going on, buddy? How's it going, Chris? First day of class was today, so uh, this is a good way to do some homework. Class is bad. That, that's my take. It's my take. Yeah. <laughs> class is bad. Um, Kyrie Irving's gone. And I, I want to get into something for him of what he sort of represented. Like, I don't want to – there's time there, – there will be time to do, like, a proper goodbye for Kyrie. He will obviously now be in Cleveland on opening night playing for another team, which is going to be, like, a crazy weird thing um, considering these two teams are going to be rivals. Like, that's just a very interesting thing. Can, I, I, let me answer this. What do you think the, the Cavs fan reaction is going to be to him when he comes back? Oh, I mean, what, people are so which, irrational. What should it be, also? Um, it. This is tough because it'll probably be booze. I think. I think it'll be. A, um, I think it's going to be like a like a mix. I would say like I I think there will be some. I would say put a percentage at perhaps like seventy thirty. Like I think there will be a smattering of cheers, but I do think the booze will probably be the more thing that will kind of ring through um i think it should probably be not a roaring applause i just think it should be like the golf clap equivalent of a basketball arena i mean think about all the joy that he brought last june he 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 hit the biggest shot in franchise history and he was the i mean he was the guy after lebron left like those two things are inescapable in his in his resume yeah i i mean i i think that Exactly. I mean, that, that, that's inexcusable. And so I think when you look at it, like, he deserves – again, I don't think they should roar and give him, like, a 10-minute standing ovation or something like that. I mean, 25 years old, and, you know, it's not like he played 15 years here, but in the, the time that he was, he obviously did some pretty remarkable things for the franchise. So I think there should be just a, a an applause that kind of signa, signifies the, the gratitude that, that fans had. I mean – from my perspective, like I was down in Cleveland that night with my dad outside the queue. I mean, that joy will never go anywhere. That was one of the best nights of my life. So while it might sting that he wanted to to leave behind, I mean, just thinking about that joy, he would certainly deserve my applause because of that alone. 
in my at least my opinion that to me will I'll never forget that shot and that night so I don't think he deserves a boo um, for wanting for wanting out there would be things where I would boo him for but this is not one of them yeah and there, there's a lot going on just like in general right now um, like this this is just like a, a sort of a side conversation but within the context of like what what has happened like on this on this sports night um Kyrie gets traded to the Celtics at and this is all mostly all after 6 p.m. in the east Kyrie gets traded like so my twitter feed is mostly that there's a certain guy who um spends a lot of time at golf clubs that is like currently speaking in Arizona <laughs> You have John Jones, the UFC champion, tested positive for steroids and is like probably going to be suspended after he comes back against like, this dominating athlete. And Felipe Coutinho, like, is Barca asked for $138 million for like Coutinho from Liverpool. And like this Kyrie thing is like, in the context of like a sports and just like another thing, but I have never like seen something, and this sort of makes sense because of like who he is as a player be like so divisive like when i was like scrolling through my feed and looking at Cavs fans they follow talking to people that i know that are Cavs fans uh dming friends that are i have a friend from college who's a celtics fan uh shots to nick Kamiati. and just like looking at celtics people that i follow i like it seems like both sides like think they got a really good deal out of this and like for Kyrie, it's just like a very it's like just a very interesting thing for him that like not only is he going to get a chance to play outside of LeBron, but he's playing for that franchise that is, like, this uber-storied franchise that has a history of winning. Gave up, like, a cult favorite player to get him. And is going to have to beat, beat, like, he's tr- trying to beat LeBron in the East. Like, he's literally going to the one team in the East that could beat LeBron next year. And, like, this is just such, like, a, it's such a crazy thing that the Cavs and the Celtics did this deal. It is crazy to me in so many ways that, like, these two teams that are competing with each other literally made a deal that, like, you could argue makes, make, like, made the Cavs better. Yeah, I, I think you're right. And, I mean, just, like, from Kyrie's perspective real quick, like, I mean, there was some reports like, oh, yeah, like, he wants to go to the Knicks or whatever. I mean, if you're him, this there's not really a better situation. Um, so I, I think he's perhaps – really you know ecstatic about this landing destination not that bad and um from just like a city standpoint living there and obviously you get this like the only one team that could potentially rival the Cavs next year immediately he happened to land on them didn't have to go to New York and and lose for a couple seasons before they did anything so that's good for him um but yeah it's it is a really weird year because I think, like you said, I, I mean, I've talked to a couple Celtics fans tonight already too, and they seem to be really, really happy with this. Think it makes them a contender in the East, and then Cavs fans are like, "Well, you know, this is a really good deal, the best that we could do at this circumstance." So it's, it's just interesting the way each side is approaching it and trying to put the most positive spin on it that they can. Ace is the place with the helpful hardware, folks. It's Ace's biggest LED light bulb sale of the year. Right now, buy one, get one free on our best-selling LED light bulbs. Our four-pack of LED bulbs is $9.99, and our two-pack of LED floodlights is only $12.99. Buy one, get one free. There's no limit on how much you can save, so stock up now. Hurry in. 
Buy one, get one free on long-lasting 10-year LED bulbs, now through Monday, only at your neighborhood Ace. See participating stores for details. Um, as as we record this, this has now been made official by the Cavs. Um, an impress release at 10.32 in the East on Tuesday evening. Um, to quote Kobe Altman from the press release, this trade needed to include both players and assets that we felt strongly could help us continue to for the championship, and we believe it does, said GM Kobe Altman. We look forward to Isaiah, Jay, and Ante joining us and also felt the Empress a good first-round pick, and the deal is very important for us and our future as well. Uh, David Gr- Dan Gilbert, excuse me. On behalf of the entire <laughs> franchise, I want to thank Kyrie Irving for the six impressive years he spent in Cleveland wearing the Cavaliers uniform. From the moment we won the 2011 lottery that put us in position to draft Kyrie to the shot that sealed our first NBA championship and all the electrifying play that made him a joy to watch, excitement was always near when it came to Kyrie Irving. We wish him and his family well as he moves on to the next phase in his NBA career. Um, we have not yet, at the Zippy Record, this like heard from the players yet. We have had other players tweet about this, um, notably Rudy Gobert. Marcus Morris made a made a joke about who plays for the Celtics. Kyrie, what what Dan Gilbert said here in this? I mean, obviously it's like a crafted quote, like it's not like it's a, it's a press release quote, you know. Um, Kyrie Irving's six years in Cavs history, like like in my mind, like I, you could really make a good argument that he his jersey like should be retired. And you could make the argument that, like, he will go down as one of the, like, top three, four, five players in that argument, like, past LeBron, of guys who, like, should be remembered for what they meant to the franchise in some way. And I, and I say this because, A, he, not just as he hit, like, the, the, the game winner, but that 2011 draft, if you think about that draft, Cavs were awful in the year first year post-LeBron. Just, like, atrocious. But... The worst imaginable. Like, literally just a, a garbage team. Like, just literally a trash basket. Like, just one of the worst teams I've ever seen in my life. Kyrie was, like, this glimmer of hope for the Cavs post. And he, he wasn't a sure thing coming out of Duke with the toe injury, but he was very clearly very good as a rookie. He was just, you know, getting on Team USA and doing all these things. He was, like, the reason for Cleveland to care about the Cavs post-LeBron. And, like, I don't think that can be, like, understated. When you talk about him, like, his shot's going to be the first thing when when you write about his career in the NBA and with the Cavs. I think that shot is always going to be the top thing he ever did. Um, I think, like, like, when you think about what he meant for the franchise for six seasons, I really, really think... Um, like it's a, it, he's sort of just it, it's it's unpullable from his legacy what he like meant for the Cavs for six seasons. Oh yeah, there's there's no doubt about it. Um, I mean, even yeah, even if those they didn't really win those first couple of years with him, like you said, he was one of the only reason other than Dion. But I mean, shouts <laughs> to the legend. But like, I mean, you but, could like, but it's like it's really. I've been thinking about this a lot. Like. You could make like a very good argument that the Cavs in tw- in that draft where they took Dion, they should have just taken Harrison Barnes, who's like friends with Kyrie, and like you know a variety of like like it yeah. should you should have taken him. Like, but it, yeah, like you said though, in, until LeBron came back, Kyrie Re- Irving was the only reason to care about the Cavs. So even though they didn't really win for all those Basque Cavs fans, you know myself included, at least gave you something to care about then. Um, because you know he was such an electric player with all this potential, and 
and obviously LeBron came back and it really blossomed. So it's perhaps you wish it could have ended a little bit, you know, better maybe a couple years down the road. But still, it's it's been a heck of a, a stint here in Cleveland for him. I mean, and I, I do think fans should be grateful for what he provided, the memories that he made, you know, uh, supplied us with. That's going to be hard to take away. So, um, yeah. And then, I, I, I mean, from just like looking at the trade. I think the Jay Crowder aspect has been like everyone's to focus on like the Kyrie for Isaiah swap, but the Crowder, the Crowder thing to me is a, a really, really um, key part of the deal as well. It, the pick too, but like the Crowder one, since he's just like a player that's going to be on the team next year, I think that is an area that hasn't gotten enough tension just because it's so easy to compare like a point guard to point guard swap. I don't know what you think about that. Um, but let's do. Let me ask you this as a follow up to that. Let's rank the four things the Cavs got in return. One to four. Okay. Twenty eighteen pick Isaiah Jay Crowder Zizek. What's your order of the of the most viable yard of the Cavs? Um, because I, I think you can interpret was... two ways. To be clear. Yeah, I think. Well, like next year, I would say that. I mean, just like in the immediate future, Crowder has to be like. Could he be one? Maybe I. I don't. I haven't thought about ranking him, but at least for next season, having a wing defender like him on the team, no, with the problems that the Cavs had um, against Golden State, like Crowder could be as valuable next season as Thomas down in the finals. I, I mean, I don't know what your, your thoughts are on that. And I, that, I think not, that could that's be. That's not fair. trying to be a hot thing, but well, I mean, I, just, I, th- I think it's fair to wonder how like healthy and how useful Isaiah could be in the finals. Yeah, so I, I think I, like, like if you're playing Golden State, like, I think it's like very fair to wonder like how um, healthy Isaiah is going to be. Yeah, exactly. So I just think like the Crowder part is like super valuable, and but I mean perhaps number one in no matter what scenario, scenario is the 2018 pick. I think. Um, I mean, I saw some people saying on Twitter like even if the Cavs didn't get Isaiah in the deal, like they still didn't get ripped off because they got the 2018 pick. Mm-hmm. So I think that's probably one, no matter the scenario. And then it could go a number of two different ways. Um, I don't know enough about, and in fact, I'm drawing a blank on his name. I don't know enough about the center prospect. Um, so, so I would probably put him at four just cause I just don't have a, enough knowledge and so, to comment so, on him. So but per Trevor Magnotti, who like knows more about basketball than uh, international basketball than I ever will. And this guy played overseas last year. He's more, he could play rotation minutes right now. And, like, he gives you a potential backup five right now in a way Eddie Tavares might not have. Um, yeah, well. Which, which is unfortunate for Tavares because I like him. I feel sort of bad for him that he's, like, like he's been, like, in Cleveland for a couple weeks and he's just going to get cut. And that's just, like, brutal. But, like, it's the business. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, in that case, I obviously will, you know, I'll defer to, like I said, I, I, did, I don't know enough to say anything. I don't, so I don't I'll either. defer to Trevor. I have no idea. But, so, yeah, I guess so my ranking is 2018 pick and then – I will put a tie for Crowder and Thomas and then uh, the center. Where, where, where do you fall on that? I would go 2018 pick Crowder, Thomas, and Cizic. Yeah, so I, I think, think we're, we're pretty much in agreement. I think, like, yeah. But, like, I would Isaiah just could tie. easily be number two, depending on how he how useful he is in the finals. I just think Crowder actually might be more useful in the finals. Yeah, I, I agree with that. And that's, like, that's why I said that. It's because, like, Thomas and Kyrie play the same position mm-hmm. that obviously was an area that people went but Crowder I mean is just such a 
annoying little he's like one of the guys that you you know you kind of respect him when he's on your team but you find him a little bit annoying anyway because he's just plays so tough but now that he's on your team you gotta love that i mean i i think i think he'll be awesome where do you think his shooting falls though in the do you think that is something at all to be concerned about if you're a Cavs fan? A little bit, but he's he should, not a. He, he's a good corner three shooter. Um, he is someone who should benefit playing from playing next to LeBron. Mm-hmm. You know, like I think those are things that are all true. I think. Um, I think those are all like pretty fair to kind of like kind of see how he might fit in those different um, contexts. I think. Like, he should be a little better because he will just have more open room, but he's not, like, a knockdown dead-eye shooter. Like, I think that that's a fair concern, but I think the Cavs have... Like, I mean, you lose something with Kyrie, but with Love and with JR, um, and if... Cor- I mean, Corver as well. Like, I think, like, he... They should have enough shootings to kind of make things work with him. Um, yeah, right, right. I, no, I, I agree with that. I didn't... That's not one something I'm too concerned about because it's just, like, his ability to play... Perfect defense. Defend multiple like, just positions. perfect perfect defensive fit um for Kyrie Irving just absolutely incredible I think for I mean for yeah, Jay Crowder, so, not Kyrie Irving I'm I'm if you can't tell I'm like very tired uh, yeah so I so I, that's that's the that's the area that I really really like I guess and another thing too that I think where do you think like where where are areas that Cavs fans might see similarities between Kyrie and Isaiah's games, and where are some of the areas where they're most um, different players? Do you think Isaiah's a little faster? I... Was going to be the thing. Like he's going to be um, zippier. He could be a little more aggressive in some ways. I think you're going to see that. I think Kyrie is underrated as a off-ball shooter, and I think what Isaiah does there is somebody shot forty percent about from on catch and shoot threes last year. Um, Isaiah did. I think he might be a little different. Then Kyrie, um, I, and I wonder too, like how the Cavs might use him in ways where he get they get him running off screens and getting running off handoffs to maybe get Kevin Love more. I think like if I, I don't think it's good to the degree you might have if you hadn't acquired another point guard or you know acquired Bledsoe or something like that, because I think Isaiah is more like like he him and Kyrie are very obvious comparisons because they're both very ball dominant guys, but I think. I think Isaiah like could open up the door for Kevin Love to do some different stuff on offense next year. Yeah, that's that's kind of what that's where I was like gonna go to as like the most the way on just from an offensive standpoint. While they both score it like a lot, I thought that Isaiah would make them because he I think he can do a little bit. You can be a little bit more creative with him than you can with Kyrie. So that's that was the area that I thought. Well, they both. I don't know what that you can't do with Kyrie. I think it's sort of just like. They chose not to. That you'd be more, yeah. That you'd be more will. I guess more willing to try with a player like Isaiah. I, I guess would probably be because, like you said, I that's a, I. I think Kyrie at catch and shoot is really, really darn good. Yeah, he's um, been underrated. He's underrated at that part of his game, and like it, it, it's one of the things that I think makes him sort of interesting as as a co-star with Hayworth because I think like those two should complement each other, um, pretty. Let's see. Let me, let me ask you this, Kevin. I don't. I don't think the Cavs deserve a lot of credit all the time for stuff that they do. Like I think I'm, I'm, that's pretty well known for listeners of this podcast. But <laughs> one of the things that I think they are deserving credit for now is they are. Like, we've we touched on this a little bit already, but they're trying not to avoid trying to avoid the scenario of LeBron leaving last time. I think. Like I think. Like when you look at this trade, 
I, this is the reason why I think like it just has to be an A, and I think that's why like them as a franchise are the biggest winners of this deal. Like LeBron is a winner, um, Dan Gilbert's a winner because he saved a bunch of money. <laughs> um, the Cavs are the biggest winner of this deal for this reason. This is what they got. If you look at just and if you're gonna rank these things as assets, number one, you get a a, a good replacement point guard that can help you win right now, but that you are not tied to money wise beyond next season, which is also when LeBron James is a free agent. Secondly, you got a player in Jay Crowder who not only complements LeBron James perfectly, but is on a such a cheap contract and is so valuable his skill set that you probably could flip him for something in six months or in a year if LeBron leaves and you, and you need to just rebuild, and he's a way to get you another asset. And Z is a cheap mm-hmm. 20-year-old center who's on a team-controlled contract, who is a first-round pick, who should be pretty good and probably may be able to play this year based on what I've been told so far. So I think that's, that is a win in itself too. Then you get the Nets pick. Now, I'm going to pull up right now just – a big board for the 2018 draft. I am not a big preps guy. Like, I know some of the names. Um, it's just not like my favorite level of basketball. And I just don't have, you know, like a lot of a lot of time all the time. <laughs> because yeah, there's only so there's only so many so much basketball that you can follow only, so many different sports. Literally so. only so much. Um, just stuff to take in. But if you look at the draft next year, this is some of the players that are ranked near the top. You have Michael Porter, who's going to play in Missouri this year. It's supposed to be a very, very good combo forward. You have Marvin Marvin Bagley, who's a Duke power forward. You have two centers in DeAndre Ion and Mohamed Bamba. And you have Luka, Luka Doncic, who is a point, uh, student guard small forward combo from Slovenia. All those five guys, I think, have different upsides and all could be really, really good. Some guys maybe could rise. like Maybe you'll see someone else jump up. But next year, whether they get the number one pick from the Nets or whether they get um, different different players, or they like get in a position to use this to like trade for someone to, to pair with LeBron next summer, like maybe Anthony Davis becomes available, and then the Pelicans will say, okay, like we'll give you AD for that that pick. You're in a position to give yourself something to a that that LeBron, that maybe a rookie could help LeBron in some way, but also gives you a chance to rebuild post LeBron if you get there now and if, if let's say LeBron leaves next summer you're in a position where like you'd have Chetty Osman this pick and and Zisic as your as your base guy and you could bring Kay Felder back I think he's going to get cut um, I think him and Tavares are going to be the guys that end up getting cut unless they decide to call their own um, or something you know else happens I think you're looking at like a basic where you have a youthful wing and Chetty you have a good center in Zizic, and you get someone that could be your franchise player next year. I think, like, compared to where they were when LeBron left the first time, this is just such a better place, and they lucked into it in a lot of ways because they lucked into Kyrie, and he's the reason they have a lot of this. But I think like yeah. they deserve some credit for being pragmatic about approaching this, and that that's sort of, to me, why I think they're the biggest winner of this whole deal. Them as a franchise did not put themselves in a situation where they have to get lucky to get out of it again. They had to get lucky to get to this spot, but they've given themselves a chance to make good decisions in the next 12 months so that if LeBron leaves, they're not going to be screwed like last time. Yeah, no, I, I think that's totally true. Um, like, the, the Crowder deal, I mean, was $8 million a year for the next, well, this season and then two more after that? Or... He signed there... through uh, 2020, I believe, and he, the most he makes is like a little bit over eight million 
or well, like about eight million on the deal. It's like in this market, that's an incredibly great contract. Yeah, it's a, it's an it's an incredibly valuable deal. So if LeBron were to depart, that you you could move that like that would be teams would be calling in a second for that deal. Like if LeBron like all right, LeBron's leaving. Any any contender that's looking for wing defense would be dialing the Cavs right away. Um, and yeah, and the fact that they were able to get the unprotected pick, I mean, that's just a well done move on on their part too. I, I have to imagine that was something that they basically insisted on was just no protections on that pick. Um, I, I think that the one the one thing that is interesting to me, I guess, is about that pick. Do you see? Would you ever see a scenario where the Cavs might trade it during this season? Like if LeBron were to if they were to feel like pretty strong that he was going to come back and like they could make some blockbuster deal that I don't think so. And I wouldn't necessarily want that, but I'm just wondering like, if you think that this, they, you could envision a scenario where they part with that pick. Like if they get some sort of like confirmation from LeBron that he'd come back or something like that. I know that's a little bit of an off ball scenario, but I'm just wondering where you think the pick might, you know, if there's a scenario where they dip, they leave the, you know, they trade the pick and they, and they, you know, lose it from their possession. I cannot imagine there is a scenario where they deal it unless Anthony Davis becomes available. Okay, yeah. Kawhi, it would have like, to be a yeah. It has to be like a top seven player in the league or something. And like it has that. to be a top seven player you have under contract control. Who's younger? Yeah. So right, Kawhi, Anthony Davis, like. Porzingis, like maybe not even Porzingis. Yeah, probably um, not Porzingis, honestly. Ta- like Towns, Jokic, like those are the guys you trade that pick for. Giannis, like you're, those guys aren't going to be available. You know, like if Anthony Davis is available at the next draft, then like this pick would be something you should cash in on Anthony Davis. Like I would do that. But I think, I also just don't think there's a scenario really where LeBron tells them in, in March that I'm staying if you trade for this guy with a number one pick. Or like in, in, in January, February, ahead of the deadline, to be more accurate. Um, I don't see that happening. It's not really how he operates, so... Not um, not at all how he operates. Right. I So I guess, like, just given that, I'm pretty confident that no matter what happens with... LeBron, that this pick is going to turn into someone who's going to be on the Cavaliers. I guess is is what I was getting at. Like I, so I think that fans should be pretty, you know, keep their eye um, on those draft big boards, even even as the Cavs have a you know have a pretty successful year this season. I'm, I'm certain they are, but you know, it might not be a bad thing to keep your eye on the on the draft boards too, just because I think that whoever the pick becomes will be a Cavalier, no matter LeBron's future. So. Yeah, I think um, we'll have co- actually have to cover college basketball this year. <laughs> you know, like I don't, you know, college basketball, yeah, it's, it's not great. It's not my favorite, but, you know, you do what you got to do. Um, Kevin, let's wrap it up on this. Uh, Kyrie, you do, for the, you, you do this deal with him. You, this, this all sort of unfolds this way. What are you expecting from him in Boston? Like, what what do you think? Like, the next if he's gonna build on this and build in this scenario, what do you think? Cleveland, like, he should take away from his time in Cleveland. Well, I mean, I know we had talked about this. I don't, I don't know if we did a podcast then if I was a guest with it, but I mean, I think you started to see signs of him like becoming a more complete offensive player this year, like 
and making his teammates a little bit better with passing. Like there was that stretch of games where I can't even remember where it was now because all that the whole last season kind of melted together. But I mean, there were a couple games where I think he had like three games in a row where he had double digit assists. Like so, when you're talking about him in Boston, that next step, it's like becoming a someone who really makes the players around him better. I think, and like that that to me, I'm not sure exactly what that looks like in Boston. I you know I haven't thought over there. I mean, they have some young pieces, too, that I think make them even more interesting. Like, people talk about them in there, but you're going to have Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, you know, pretty young, inexperienced guys, near the t- you know, getting pretty pretty big time in their rotation. Well, Brown probably more than Tatum, but so that's an interesting thing with them, I think. But, yeah, I think for Kyrie in Boston, it's just like, how does he make players better? Because that's what, you know, makes LeBron so special. So what can he take away from it? It's like finding ways to make your teammates better around you. And I think it starts with him using his potent offensive and scoring capabilities to like set up teammates and drawing in defenders and, and being able to just become a better passer and hitting the open guy. That's what LeBron does so well. I don't think he'll ever miss someone who's wide open. Like He seems to always know when that guy is wide open and gets him the ball. So I think for Kyrie, that's got to be one part of his game that really um, he could probably take parts from, from Cleveland with him. Yeah, 100%. Um, agree. On the flip side of that, how do you think the Cavs will, the Cavs fandom will embrace what they're getting here? Um, like, just based on like how you, how the people you've talked to that are like viewing this as fans, I wonder if there will be some like backlash to like the the pick being the thing they didn't just like trade Kyrie for like another star. You know, like I wonder. Like if there is going to be some backlash there, and I and I wonder how people are really going to receive Isaiah because it's it's not like an easy thing for Isaiah, who Cavs fans have like ragged on for six months, is not being as good, and then he has to replace Kyrie and then go against Kyrie. Like this is just like a very like again like I, we touched on this. It's just like such an interesting dynamic to have a team like tr- competing against each other, trading with each other at this level. It's not like they traded like. Eddie Tavares for like James Young or something like this is two marquee players the most valuable asset in the NBA and like a really good young player and Jay Crowder and like who's like the super valuable guy and like that's just it's such a bizarre trade in that front yeah no I I I mean I haven't like thought about it too much but I'd love to go like well can you imagine I don't think at least off the top of my head like Two two sporting franchises that are clearly like battling for a spot in the title. Like it's like the Yankees and the Red Sox making a modern day trade. Like you know, it's just like you don't see them. <laughs> it's just so weird for the Cavs and the Celtics. Clearly, the cream and the crop of the East be making deals that each side thinks is helping themselves. <laughs> you know, that's just like an interesting dynamic that the Cavs made this deal thinking, all right, we're getting something good out of it, and the Celtics did too. So. Yeah, it's like you scratch my back, I'll scratch yours type thing, yeah. which you don't <laughs> you don't really expect to see from two teams yeah. that are trying to. Well, the Celtics are trying to dethrone the Cavs and vice versa. So, yeah, it's interesting. I I guess my my last thing for you, yeah, because um, I I know I think people might want to talk about this a little bit, just defensively from the point guard position with. And I know that you're someone who. Has, has pointed to not having a backup point guard who can defend like Delhi did as something the Cavs probably lacked. Now your three point guards are Thomas Rose and Calderon. 
who are no one is going to mistake them for defensive, uh, you know, wizards. So is that something that you're concerned at all about in this? I, it's not something I'm concerned about because I don't think Kyrie was like. Well, people know he wasn't super good anyway, defensively. So I don't think they go from like having like an. It's not like they went from having an an all NBA defending point guard to to Thomas. So I don't. It's not something I'm super concerned about, but I just think, you know, wondering what your insight there might be. My thing is I think they can shift things around to sort of um, figure this out a little bit. Like, I think if you are if you have to get in a situation, like Golden State is like an example of this, or like you need to defend Kyrie, you can go JR at the one and have him just nominally defend once. You can maybe use him on Shumpert in that role too. Like, I think mm-hmm. that's, that's how you get around it. And it's not, um, you know, like, the, the necessarily, like, the cleanest strategy. It's not always going to be the most, like, dynamic thing for the offense. But because of Crowder, because, like, I think you can entrust him with a lot more than Al Jefferson and, and whatnot, I think, I think you're in a good spot to have, to be able to hide Isaiah. I think you'd still rather have a Deli than a Derrick Rose. But I think you're better off now than you were six hours ago. If that if that if that makes sense. Like I think because you have Crowder, because it's now easier to shift Jr. to the one and have like good defenders at at least four or five like and maybe all five spots on the floor. Like I think you're better off like Jr. Shumpert or J- let's go with this like Jr. The lineup that now intrigues me the most is this: Jr. Smith guarding ones. Probably RJ guarding a two, depending on who the two is. Le- Jay Crowder defending whoever the ball dominant wing is. So if that's KD, it's you know it's Crowder there. LeBron guarding someone he can roam off of. So like if they're playing the Warriors, that's Draymond Green. Then you either go Tristan Thompson at the five, which would make a lot of sense. You could put Shumpert in there and have LeBron guarding the five, and have Shumpert guard the point and Jr. guard somebody else, maybe the two. Um, you could have Chetty in there if he works out. You know, have options to shift guys around, and it's not going to be easy to stop like the Steph Curry's and the Kyrie's of the world. But you can work around it, and it's like Boston was really, really good and had a good defense with Isaiah Thomas. You can make it work. It's not yeah. ideal, but you can make it work, and it's not like the Cavs can really get worse defensively. Yeah, right. Well, exactly. No, that and that's the thing too. Like I said, it's not like you were. Going even from you know an, an all NBA point guard, it's not like you're taking an all defensive team and, and you know, removing one of its key cogs from a defensive standpoint. So the value, and that's kind of what I was getting back to earlier, where I think people are focusing a little bit too much, or they're not focusing enough on what Crowder brings to the deal because of the the defensive flexibility that you get with him in there. So I think you just outlined the case for him super well right there. Yeah, uh, as, Kevin's... as being you know one of the most key pieces. So yeah, uh, this has been overall. Kevin... Yeah, go ahead. Well, I was going to say, just overall, I don't think it's the end of the world that everyone thought when the reports in July came out that Kyrie wanted. People were, you know, fearing the worst, which, given the Cleveland sports history, I don't blame them. Yeah. But this is not the worst. Yeah. Uh, the guest on this podcast has been Kevin Stegwitz, the editor-in-chief of The Lantern at Ohio State. Kevin, uh, thanks so much for coming on, and uh, we'll have to have you on again too once we get some more information on this. And we'll maybe we'll get into the summer. We'll actually we'll talk about some books or or something like that when we get into a deader part of the off season. <laughs>
Yeah, well, thanks for having me, Chris. Yeah, always. Uh, we'll be back tomorrow with another episode. Check out the pod with Chris Barnwell. Um, but the whole week of Kyrie stuff, Kyrie just means you get more podcasts from me, which I hope you like. But follow the pod on Twitter. Drop those mailbag questions into lockedoncavs at gmail.com, into lockedoncavs on Twitter, or in backslash, our backslash Cleveland Cavs. And we'll talk to you tomorrow.